0: Awesome. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Horizon Managed Services podcast. Virtually, we're on episode three. I'm here with my guest, Rob Stoner, the owner of Horizon Managed Services. In this one, we're going to be talking about why business owners view their business technology as an expense rather than an asset so basically in this episode we're going to talk about why a lot of business owners view it to be an expense to the business so we'll talk about why it is more than just fixing computers and how can be actually used as an asset to your business so rob i'm just going to kick things off by asking you you know why has IT historically been seen as as something as an expense in a business rather than an asset. I guess you know you being in IT for however many years that you've been in you know what would you say the general perception or stereotype of IT people and and IT providers
1: is that kind of gives that light. Sure I mean yeah I mean I've been in IT for gosh over 15 years now. I worked in a bunch of different organizations with different perspectives and approaches to technology for getting involved with Horizon. I think in a lot of ways ways it boils down to simply that that when computers were becoming a big thing and uh, and accessible and approachable to most businesses and they weren't just like this enterprise type thing where it was mainframes and terminals uh, but you each had the personal computer revolution there's a computer for each desk and user it was seen at that time as almost like a necessary evil my competitor has computers they've computerized So I need to, to give this perception that we're staying kind of current and that we're not the Luddite firm falling behind where the world is at with regards to technology. And not to get ahead of myself, but I think that thought process, that mentality has kind of, it's never been really challenged at its core. Individuals in an organization may feel that, hey, we can use this new tool, this new app, this new technology, whatever the case may be, to improve this function or that function, but that no one steps back and looks holistically as a whole at the, the use of technology through an organization. And so because that kind of review doesn't happen uh, in most cases, I think it, the view of just, I have to have a computer because we need to be able to sell on online and do e-commerce or respond to client email inquiries, or like it's to an extent why a lot of businesses have Facebook. It's because, well, everyone else has a Facebook company page, so I have to as well. Otherwise, I'm being perceived as falling behind.
0: Sure. And that's
1: something that I've seen too, just in the conversations that I had with
0: with a lot of business owners, especially that don't really think about technology a whole lot. It's kind of just something that they have to do basically because this competitor is doing it or Everybody else is doing it, it's it's kind of like you said, a necessary evil type of expense from that standpoint. And just the stereotype too that I've seen is, you know, when it comes to IT, it's like, oh, you know, we got our IT guy. It's like the one phrase that you never really hear in other positions, like, you know, we got our accounting guy, we got our marketing guy. It's more like we got the IT guy, like, and it's just
1: some random person that nobody knows, but
0: behind usually the it's scenes it's like the, fixes the, everything. What is it?
1: the, the brother-in-law of like the owner's sister or something like that. It's usually like far removed and just a friend of a friend that ends up taking care of small business networks and all that. And it's, again, seen as a necessary evil, almost the mechanic model of it's broken. Therefore, we have someone come in with a hammer to fix it.
0: Sure. Going off of
1: that a little bit into more in depth, what purpose, you know, at its core does
0: IT serve in a business because, you know, on the day to day, typically you see with employees, something's wrong with my computer. The IT guy comes and fixes it. But what purpose does IT serve? Like what what does it do for the business at its core and more on a technical aspect too? you know, all the ins and outs, I'm curious to hear what it really encompasses, you know, whether an IT professional or business that has an IT department or maybe you outsource IT, what really goes into what IT professionals do for
1: business. Sure. Well, I think it's important to step back and just as a business owner or someone in leadership in a business, step back for a minute and try and come up with a list of five processes, five functions or discrete actions. But come up with a list of five things that your business can do without leveraging technology. Like these days, even though it's been viewed as a necessary evil, technology underpins virtually every function and role of a business these days. Every accounting function is, is performed with computers. You may do some calculations with a, a desktop calculator and a tape because you want that audit log and you, that's just how you like to work. Everyone, I, I'm a paper guy. Yes, I could take notes on an iPad and, and leverage technology that way, but it, it's just something about writing on paper works for me. But at the end of the day I still end up translating the, those notes into our systems so that it isn't just trapped with me if you do that that calculation on a calculator you're then going to load that information into your accounting package or your CRM or your ERP or whatever process you're doing manually 99% of the time you're going to load that into something leveraging technology, which is then going to be used to run your business. Technology is kind of the the glue that keeps all of your discrete processes, your individual employees, all able to move in a unified direction. It's an enabler of progress, is the best way I can put it, because you remove the computer, you remove network and internet from a business, and for all but like maybe a, a blacksmith or a couple like, Yes, you could go back to pen and paper, and it, but it would be very painful. But in all but a few cases, that business is going to be in, like incredibly detrimentally impacted by the removal of technology from their day to day. But before you kind of think through that exercise, you're going oh, I don't need my computer. Like it, until it's broken, technology doesn't impact me. I don't rely on it. The truth is we all rely on it every day. You and I are having this conversation and recording this podcast remotely over uh, teams, over a technology product that it's, it's enabling us to deliver more uh, than what we could without it. And, and so without technology, you're going to be in a big bind you're gonna be in in a bad way. And and I think when it comes to the perception of technology and why a lot of small businesses have the IT guy or the IT gal, or they, they know somebody, or it's the neighbor's kid or whatever, I mean we hear all the all sorts of, of reasons. It's they have that perception of if it's broken I'm just going to hit it with a hammer. It's a process like you maintain technology just like you maintain a car getting regular oil changes. That that type of mentality has crept into a lot of small businesses and and it's not. Technology is not like a car. Some analogies are going to work, yes, but by and whole your car doesn't get a virus just by sitting in your driveway one night and not have, not being like protected properly, like your car would not all analogies work, but technology is at risk 24 seven. It's a necessary evil in today's world, so to speak, of being able to be a successful business in the world. You have to be leveraging technology, but you need to be making sure you're secure. The IT guy or gal, so to speak, that that you hear so much about in a lot of ways, they're just coming in when things are broken, like when your car has a flat tire, they're fixing it with a hammer. They're like, whatever the issue is, they're fixing that, that discrete issue, but they're not stepping back and looking at the environment holistically to go, Hey, is like in a, in a car, yes, I can fix your flat tire, but is this vehicle safe to drive or is your timing belt going to fail and cause your engine to have greater issues? if like that's what the IT guy or gal is doing is they're going and looking at that specific flat tire and fixing only that. They're not stepping back and looking at what other issues might be impacting you in a a day, a week, a month from now might put you back on the side of the road. And for us as a managed service provider, our whole job is to step back, look at the holistic picture and think through the implications of it. if you're on the side of the road, you're broken down. What does that mean to your business, to your reputation, to your ability to deliver, to take orders? All of those kinds of things, thoughts, those concerns, considerations. That's what we look at to help guide us in determining which specific events and, and challenges to address immediately versus which ones. Okay, we they need to be addressed, but we can. The the risk analysis the risk of of not addressing those is lower than than fixing these Does that make sense sure that makes sense you know and it's just good to think about too i was just pulling up some statistics
0: from statista just in terms of how technology is is changing and just what The IT industry as a whole is moving towards in terms of spending I know you mentioned it being you know necessary evil and these things are something that are very active in a business it's not like you said like a car where you know you buy a car and you know you maybe do maintenance every once in a while but if it sits in your garage you know it's fine for the most part this is something completely different but you know just in 2021 this is right from Statista it said that global it spending is expected to increase by 4.43 trillion dollars in 2022 and 4.66 trillion dollars in 2023 so those are obviously some some really big numbers but I'm curious to hear what your perspective on that as to why spending is increasing so much. Is it this the creation of new businesses or new technologies that people need to adopt? Do you know maybe? Yeah, why I is?
1: mean, I think it's it's a mix of things. There's no one answer to why spending is in technology is increasing, but there are a couple of main drivers of that. One is what's called SaaS, uh, software as a service. You may know it as like Slack or Microsoft 365 or Google Workspace or any kind of cloud application or a CRM like HubSpot or Salesforce or any of those tools where you pay like a per user per month fee. That's called SaaS. You need 10 users, you need 15, you just increase it or decrease it as you go. And that's like looking back 10, 15 years ago, SaaS was not really heard of. The whole cloud concept was just in its infancy. And so you had a lot of businesses that would buy a server, buy a piece of software, and hire someone to install the software on the server, and that was the extent of their spending on that software for five, six, seven, eight, ten years. And now, with the way times have changed, with the way cybersecurity has fallen into the mix, and the risks have just been kind of crept into the world the last couple of years, software as a service is taking off because it's allowing businesses large and small to take advantage and convert what would typically be a large investment, a capital investment of 10, 20, 30, 50 plus thousand dollars in a server software and implementation labor to be just treated as a monthly recurring subscription like you think of Netflix or or Hulu these days. So it kind of, it evens the playing field a little bit and allows businesses instead of having to have this large upfront expenditure of money to spread that out over the course of their usage of that software or that technology. The other thing, and I I briefly mentioned it in talking about SaaS, but cybersecurity, that's all the reading I've done, my opinion, everyone we talked to at conferences and all that, that is the big one right now. The risk to businesses these days versus just a couple of years ago, like it's growing at an astronomical rate. The barrier for entry for, we'll call them the hackers, anyone who's attempting to do crypto ransomware or attack a company, The barrier for entry used to be that you actually had to have some skills. You had to have some knowledge. And in a lot of ways, it used to be a very targeted approach where either some business kind of just did the hacker wrong in some way, or they felt, you know, that business isn't being socially responsible uh, in some way, shape or form. So I'm going to teach them a lesson because I I can't now. There are tools available to people that have zero skills, with, aside from being able to turn on a computer and browse the internet or go to YouTube type thing, and they're able to start ransomware campaigns, send out and target businesses large and small. It's very much a spray and pray approach. It, the direct targeted is really kind of reserved for people who actually have skills and that that's kind of gotten elevated up to very specific niche areas and businesses Large and small, as a whole, just kind of fall into a vast net. They're they're throwing like these hackers these days are throwing out just a wide net and hoping to catch someone. They don't care who. It's just a numbers game to them of going, okay, I'm going to send out 10,000 phishing emails. I'll probably get five that will click the link and input their credentials. Well, great. Now I have access to those company files and I can go ahead and get ransomware installed in their machines. They don't care who it is. All they care about is getting someone. And so, trying to defend on that. There's been an influx of tools that have been and products that have been coming to market in the last five years that just never existed. Like the whole concept of fish training, PHISH training, and that cybersecurity awareness was just in its infancy five years ago. And these days, if you're not doing employee security training and anti-fish training and employing some of these tools to try and automate the reduction in spam and phishing and other threats that are attacking businesses, you're already behind the, the curve. You're putting your business at risk these days by not leveraging some of that technology.
0: Sure. So
1: from my standpoint, it looks like technology, at least from a, from a business owner standpoint,
0: you know, if you're doing it as an expense, it's probably not, not the right way to go. Just because I know what you mentioned with SaaS based software, you know, software as a service, Basically, the, the premise that I get of it is you can provide very high-level enterprise resources, and now that's gone to a point where you can, you know, pretty much commoditize it and give it to small, and medium-sized businesses. I was at an organization that, you know, was was pretty small at one point, and we had Salesforce, you know, which is a robust, very robust CRM system, and you can just log right into it online. But the same thing goes on the negative side, too, with with cybersecurity. You know, there's people, the barriers to entry for hackers are also a lot lower than they were as well. So it seems like it's, you know, kind of a
1: good and a bad thing, you know, obviously. Yeah, And I mean, one of the great benefits that's come from SaaS products as a whole is this idea that we used to, in, in the technology world, when you buy a product, let's say, let's talk about a Microsoft Exchange for running email, that businesses having their own Exchange server was incredibly common five, 10 years ago. But then you needed a local IT shop to install, to maintain, support, and secure that. But looking at the resources and the resource allocation for these typically small, one or two person shops of being able to properly secure, maintain, update, and put defenses in place. Just a product like email that every business these days depends on. The, the resources compared uh, weren't there compared to a company like Microsoft, who can pour tens of millions, if not billions of dollars into the, the shoring up the security for their product and the de- defense in depth strategy, where it's a layered defense approach So that even if one layer fails, you're still protecting your clients, your exchange server, your email with different layers. Microsoft and these larger SaaS companies can afford, because they're able to spread the load and the burden of implementing these higher end tools and defenses, they're able to spread that burden and that cost across a vast number of clients. Whereas if you're a small business and you've got exchange, you have to afford putting in all those defenses. So what happens? Most of the times you don't because you can't afford it and still stay in business because technology is not your business. You're you're trying to get orders in and and pushed out. Your business isn't just protecting your email server.
0: Sure, that's interesting to, to hear when it comes to you know emails and stuff like that, because businesses, obviously every business needs email. And uh-huh. back five, 10 years ago, it seemed like things were just a lot cumbersome to, to get done and more yeah. upfront in terms of expenses. But onto my next point from an IT standpoint, going back to it, the original question, besides, what purpose does IT serve and, and what things that can do? Going from the mindset of, you know, it being more of a burden and a necessary and evil, what are some of the qualities and, and things that make IT an asset for a business rather than cost or, or liability? And off of that too, what, what examples we helped some businesses make IT an asset for their company, something that works for them rather than just another expense, another necessary evil.
1: Sure. I mean, shifting the mindset from IT being a liability or technology being a liability or an expense or a cost center to being a true asset to the business, it's not a small task. It's a, it's a, a large undertaking. But when you step back and think, okay, what has technology done for your business in the past 10 years? It's enabled you to reach more customers. It's enabled you to be able to source materials more efficiently. Technology enables improvement, right? That's that's my the point I'm trying to make is it may be a necessary evil in a lot of ways these days, but it's an enabler of improvement. And so if you haven't gone and reviewed how you're doing X, Y, or Z process in the last couple of years, that right there is an easy one. Like for example, we've got a client that they're in we'll call it the distribution space without getting into specifics. They buy and, and resell components, little, little components in their they warehouse and then they distribute them all around the world. They're buying from around the world uh, and they're selling around the world. And when we first started working with them, their process was entirely a uh, 95% paper-based, I'm not going to say entirely, because they did have one spreadsheet that they were manually keying every purchase into and manually keying the locations of where they stored these items in their warehouse. When they received an order, they would print the email out, take it to someone else's desk. That person would look up in a spreadsheet, write down on the piece of paper the location, and walk that piece of paper to someone else. And they would have to go find the item in the warehouse, hold the number of parts, then take those items and that paper to another person to package and prep the shipping label do all of this, and then when that person shipped it, they had to then write on yet another piece of paper and take that back to someone else to adjust the quantity in the spreadsheet they were using for inventory control. And that that's if everything went perfectly, that was like seven or eight steps with a piece of paper flowing all across this vast warehouse and touching a lot of desks. What happens when that paper falls behind the desk? and you, you forget that you need to ship it, or you forget to invoice it, or any like any part of that process can and will fail in a spectacular number of ways. And, and so one of the things we worked with them on was improving that process, stepping back and going, okay, just be, this works. Arguably it works, you're a growing company, but there's room for improvement. And, and so they were having a real hard time in, in the middle of COVID. They Their demand for what they bought and sold Spiked crazy high. Like they hadn't had this demand in the last 15 years. And the paper and Excel process was failing miserably. It was overtime, 70, 80 plus hours a week for a lot of employees just to meet demand. And they were still falling behind three, four, five days to even confirm an order at that point. So what we did is we worked with them to put a, a system in place where they can barcode the inventory that's coming in and automate the input and the removal. They, for reasons I won't get into, they needed to still be able to leverage a spreadsheet for part of their business process. But we built an automated process with them to kind of remove that paper copy and move it to emails that get automated from different stages, and a little web dashboard where their employees go to, okay, I need to pick item X from with quantity Y from location Z. Okay, I got it. It's here. It's in a carton. It goes to shipping, and shipping automatically gets notified. It shows up in their dashboard. They print the shipping labels. Off it goes. Once it's shipped, it notifies invoicing to be billed out, and so that's just one use of where technology can be an asset is it removed a lot of barriers it allowed them to reduce their their backlog of four or five days with overtime uh they're still working overtime they still have a backlog but it's been reduced to about 50 hours a week instead of the 70 80 and they're about a day and a half behind right now and that's where they're comfortable and they're just saying okay at this point we're just going to add staff rather than try and beat this process any other way because they see it as an opportunity to grow their business now because their processes have improved in this area. And that's not to say there isn't room for more improvement. There certainly is. We're still working with them on other ways to improve that process. But it's an example of how, yes, a paper non technologically based process functions for a small business that is prosperous, but it can be improved through the use of technology and it's not a significant investment with the tools available these days.
0: Sure. No, that's really
1: cool. I mean, obviously a business saving that much time,
0: they're going to be able to increase their revenue. They oh, yeah. Get more orders.
1: And, so. and I mean, as a, as a business owner, when we first had those conversations, they really struggled with the business owner at that firm. They really struggled with understanding and, and not necessarily trusting or believing, but just they had been very technologically averse up until this point in, in a lot of facets. And so when we discussed with them the concept of labor savings and how an investment in technology to improve technology would actually result in dollars saved for the company. Yes, you're investing a dollar here, but you may end, you're you gonna end up saving dollar fifty over here, resulting in overall savings of 50 cents to the company. It was, they, they struggled with that concept because it was brand new and it's brand new to a lot of small businesses these days, even the the entrepreneur that grew his business, the 20, 30 employees, they know the process that they've done. And now it's when you get someone who comes in from the outside with a different perspective or who hasn't gone through the growing pains and the growth stages and made the same assumptions and decisions at those different growth steps that can kind of come in with an objective and just go, this may be a dumb question, but why? Like the concept of asking why is it done this way? is a huge thing to kind of refresh small businesses and and, and just businesses in general to look at what they're doing, how they're doing it, why they're doing it that way. And is there a way to improve on that to drive, to save money, to be more efficient, to be more effective, whatever?
0: Sure. Yeah. And that's just one really good example. Um, I guess just another standpoint you know, how often should a business really reevaluate what they're doing from a process and technology standpoint I know you said you know once every couple of years should it be you know more frequent than that especially how quickly technology changes should it be less frequently than that you know what does that look like is either just having a business review with their current technology or IT staff or yeah. reviewing their current provider or looking at other options
1: yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways to skin this cat. And my personality is that the grass is always greener with what we're not doing. There's always a new, better way. There's a better mousetrap, right? And so with my business partner, Mike, it, like he helps balance that into a pursuit of, there. it's always, in my opinion, wise to look to ways and always be looking for ways that you can improve your process invest in your business and find ways to be more efficient to get more output with the same input and a lot of times that's just looking at new ways of doing things that maybe you haven't looked at but i mean from a technology standpoint it really comes down to the size of the organization and kind of how much technology adoption they've done and what their operational maturity level as an organization is. Like 10, 15, 20 employee business is gonna be at a different operational maturity level than a 75 plus user business. And so like, there's a lot of variables that go into it. If you're not at least on an annual basis, kind of just stepping back for a couple of days and just going, why are we doing it that way, guys? Uh, well, team, why, why do we do this? Or even on a monthly basis, just pick something spend a couple hours and just ask, why do we do it this way? Why do we do that? Why do we ship over here? Or just step back. I mean, one of the the, the firms that I used to work for was, they were a large multi-multi-site manufacturer. And one of the events that I was involved in which it was a really fascinating and they spent they brought all of their executive team all the different like the manufacturing the plant manager the the quality the engineering team everyone got in this massive conference room and I mean this was a larger org and what they did is they, the, the conference room table they had four by eight sheets of plywood and what they had done is printed out giant posters of the entire facility and they took yarn and nails and mapped out the entire process flow for each of the discrete production processes like they picked like 10 of their most common jobs that they manufactured and with yarn they mapped the process of raw material how it flows to being a work in process goes through converting goes through qc becomes a finished good gets put away in the warehouse and ultimately gets picked and shipped And what they found, now, they had two warehouses side by side that were about 100 yards apart from each other. And these were both about 100 square foot warehouses. They found that the average flow trip of a product took seven and a half miles of movement throughout their facility before it was actually shipped to a client. It's absolutely insane when you think about the fact that these warehouses, they're much smaller than a mile. They're a 100,000 square foot warehouse. Things are moving from one to the other a little bit. And they were able to take that process and find efficiencies to bring that down from seven and a half miles average to under two miles average of movement. And that sounds good. Okay, cool, we're, we're taking and removing movement from this. But let's start talking about the tangible benefits. That means employees are having to go physically pick, put away, Pick up, touch, whatever you want to term, you want to call it, the material. There's less steps that they're having to do, which means the employees, their their team, are able to be more effective and and more because they're having to do less busy work. They were moving full and partial pallets with forklifts, and those forklifts were powered either by batteries or by propane, depending on where in the the facility this pallet was. And so you're talking, okay, reduction in propane usage. You're seeing real savings there. You're talking a reduction in how long material sits in the warehouse. Racking space has a cost. Just because you've already paid or you're leasing your building, doesn't mean that there is not a cost to the physical space that the pallet of product goes into. And so the more efficient you can be, the more just-in-time manufacturing, now COVID aside, and I think a lot of people, a lot of companies, lean too far into the just in time where it became no there's no time to make this but just the concept of do i really need to make a year's worth of this product and just slap it in the shelf and then go manually pick a piece off every time an order comes in or can i make three months worth and which ones well, like doing those analyses i think you don't have to go to that extreme they were there were several hundred employees and and the the scale at which they were Demanded they go to that extreme. But it was still a very eye opening experience for me as a much younger lad going, you can really drive some efficiency, some gains by doing any kind of review on a process, whether it's technology based or not. I happen to own a technology company. So my focus is going to be how technology can improve. But that doesn't mean we're not going to lean on our experiences within other verticals and in other areas to recommend improvements or areas for review as well. Sure. No, that's a really cool story to hear that you're able to
0: cut down. And that's something that you really don't think about product moving, you know, like it uh-huh. moves seven miles in the warehouse. What would that mean for their business if that were reduced to two miles? So I think yep. that looking at it from a different perspective instead of, for example, just technology being, okay, this is something that costs a lot of money that, you know, I have to do. But really at the same time, what are the other capabilities that It's giving you that you can make your business more efficient, ultimately, either going to save costs on certain things or drive more revenue or both to really offset that IT expense from that standpoint. I guess going into you know one of my last questions, what are the ways that we work as an IT provider to get rid of those inefficiencies, and work with our clients? I know we go through a discovery process and we talk to employees and stuff like that. And I've seen it, but I'm just curious to hear what your side of it is when it comes sure. to, when we you know talk to a new client, what specifically do we look for to improve their business?
1: Well, oh, I mean, it, it first starts out with a very transparent conversation between us and management ownership whatever level we're working at of understanding what challenges their businesses face not from an i.t perspective like i I don't care about the technology at that point i wonder i want to understand what business challenges what operational challenges as an organization are they facing because if we understand what the organization is facing or the department, or whatever level we're at, then we can start understanding. Okay, what does what does the value of improving this situation mean? Like, what is the success rate criteria for an improvement? What is the business, or the org, or the department, or whatever? What is it? What is their goal and all that? And then we can step back and and kind of as a neutral third party, in a lot of ways, step back and observe and just go, what are you doing? We can we play the role of asking why a lot. I've got a six year old daughter right now who absolutely loves asking why to anything, but it it can get frustrating at times. But it's also, I found recently, it's very much a, I'm curious, I wanna know why you've chosen to do this. Not because I like asking why and annoying you, but because I'm legitimately trying to understand a concept that I don't know how, how to properly articulate but I want to understand what led you to do it this way. It's a curiosity. And for us, we don't come in with the preconceptions of all the decisions that have been made to get to the process being done in the way it is being done today. And that's why we ask a lot of whys. Why are you doing it this way? Because in asking that, you're going to have to reiterate to us why. Why you've chosen to do it this way and how we've operated and the environments we support we see a lot of different ways of skinning the cat. There's no objectively one right, right or wrong way of doing anything. It's, it's a bunch of shades of gray. It, each one needs to be tailored to the challenges that a business is facing. And so we can lean on our experience over 37, 38 years now. We've been in business of seeing the different approaches people take and what some of the pitfalls of various approaches can be. And taking that a little step further, After we ask why of the process, we can then understand what is your true objective out of this process, not just the business challenge, but what is the goal of this process? And then we can start looking at ways of how can technology help this process? Can we automate it? Can we put some just error handling in to reduce another step down the line where someone's having to manually invest time every day or every week? going and correcting errors in the database, whatever the case may be. We look at ways, how can we help leverage technology that you brought us on to implement to ultimately roll up and meet your business goal and, and resolve some challenges that the business is facing. A lot of, know, of IT providers, a lot of them call themselves MSPs, they care about the technology and only the technology. With us, the technology, we it's a permission to play, it's a barrier for entry. If you can't fix a computer, you shouldn't be in the IT game, period. But the, the concept of an MSP or an IT service provider or a managed service provider, it's about focusing on the business outcomes and solving the challenges of the business that we're supporting so that we can help them meet those outcomes through the use of technology, not just by maintaining technology. Sure. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. Essentially, what we strive
0: to do and how business owners, I think, should view IT and technology is, how is this going to, you know, alleviate a pain point in my business, whether it's one pain point or multiple pain points in in a business? How can I take this off my plate? And sometimes they might not even notice that there's a problem because, you know, they might be higher up in the organization and then, you know, somebody in like accounting or marketing or HR is experiencing, you know, this sort of really annoying technological problem and, they just don't tell anybody about it. So maybe the IT person knows yep. about it. Maybe another group of people know about it. But leadership at the top, they're not involved in that. They might not well, know
1: I mean, about it. There's a, a very simple analogy, and I'm going to butcher it, I'm sure. But it's problems that the leadership of a company are aware of. It's about like 10 or 15% of the problems in the organization that leadership is aware of. And it's it's very much like an iceberg, where like 10 to 20% of the iceberg is sitting above the surface. The rest is below the surface. Below the surface challenges are what leadership is not aware of, but it's what other employees, other departments are aware of that they're facing them. And those all are constraints and all influence and and roll up into challenges that leadership is aware of and and challenges to the business as a whole. But we kind of shed some light on the challenges beneath the surface in a lot of ways. Sure, and make business owners aware of that,
0: as well as how can we solve your specific challenges or how can we make your business more efficient at the end of the day. So the end of the day, really providing a solution to the problem and then good return on your investment at the end of the day, what what really IT providers do. So that's pretty much all I got for this episode. Thanks you guys for listening to the podcast and we'll see you next time. This concludes episode three.